Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Russell Wortham Show coming to you live from beautiful, and I mean beautiful, Tucson, Arizona, a stone's throw away from the University of Arizona and in the shadow of the Grand Canyon folks. We are back and back in the middle of greatness. How was your week? Uh, That week's been going uh, pretty all right. A lot of sports watching. Holy smokes. (laughs) It was a huge week. So uh, we're going to uh, go over uh, what uh, we're talking about uh, this week. So, we've got the Daytona 500 uh, coming up for you. Also, a story that just will not go away with the Houston Astros cheating scandal of 2017 in the World Series. All-Star Saturday night and the NBA All-Star game were also over the weekend. Oh, those were crazy. XFL action week two. In the long snap, we've got the great Tom Brady sweepstakes. And then finally, coming up this weekend on pay-per-view, is Deontay Wilder versus Tyson Fury Part 2. I've got some thoughts about the first fight and what we could maybe see uh, coming up this weekend. So, let's... uh, Let's get going. So, we're going to start off with the Daytona 500. Now, I I don't normally watch NASCAR or auto racing. I I just I don't have I don't have the time or or the patience to to watch that. But I thought, well, you know, it is the Super Bowl of, of auto racing. So let's 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 watch the Daytona five hundred and boy that was one heck of a race. Uh you had crashes, you had cautions, uh close well the second closest finish uh in Daytona five hundred history. And uh, so we're just going to go over this. So this is um, this is from uh, Wikipedia. So the race uh, was started by uh, the president, uh, who served as Grand Marshal, um, and uh, so it was scheduled for Sunday, but. Because there were rain showers in the area, they had to suspend the race after 20 laps. So then the next day, uh, you had basically the rest of the race. This was only the second time that the race had to be postponed due to rain. The first time was back in uh, 2012. Uh, most of the race was uh, cleanly uh, run until ra- uh, lap uh, 185. Um, huge wreck, triggering massive crash involving at least uh, 20 cars on the back stretch. And, and I don't want to assign blame. Uh, I hate to assign blame uh, to 
any one person, but that crash was solely and squarely the uh, the uh, problem of Joey Logano. Joey Logano uh, was a um, guy who uh, tried to go onto the go onto the inside, bumped the guy in front of him, and then it just it spun out of control. So again, I'm not trying to assign blame to any one person, but it was Joey Logano that caused that massive crash. Uh, if I were those 20 people, I would have had words for the guy, but that's not what uh, that's not what uh, might have happened. But anyway, so there's that. Uh, race was. Uh, Red flagged as a result, Danny Hamlin won the race by point zero one four seconds over Ryan Blaney, uh, and that was again, like I said, the second closest finish ever. Ryan Newman was involved in a serious crash uh, towards the end of the race, and he was immediately rushed to the local hospital. Now. If you saw the race, you know what I'm talking about. Ryan Newman got hit and then he uh, hit the wall, went back into the pile, got hit again, flipped up into the air and landed on the infield. <sighs> Massive, just, it, it, it was it was a nasty crash. Uh, Obviously, safety is important for them now. They've got the head and neck restraint. They've got um, they've got uh, barriers that are basically double layered. You've got the outside wall, the inside wall. In between, it, it looks like these uh, tubes that basically act as as shock absorbers there we go Uh, and to me I I think that those two things alone are absolutely crucial to keeping NASCAR safe there are places where they put restrictor plates to uh, limit the speed it doesn't really take away from the quality of racing uh, I know that there are people that are thinking we've got to just have them go like 300 miles an hour and oh my gosh. But uh, come on, no. Uh, safety first. You have to have safety first in this scenario. But uh, Ryan Newman, uh, and this was absolutely incredible. He went to the hospital, and then that next day, so on Tuesday, he walked out. And it was it was a really cute moment. He walked out with his two daughters, and I'm like, oh my gosh, how, how did you get away from that crash? That was gnarly. And I'm not trying to be flip, I'm not trying to be morbid, but if... Ryan Newman had been hit a third time, 
this would be a completely different story. Completely different. Now, obviously, we remember what happened with Dale Earnhardt. And you go back in time and you see what happened to Dale Earnhardt crashing at the 500 towards the end of that race and losing his life. And you think you you died because of a fender bender. Well, he also suffered a heart attack. So, uh, to me, I, I got to be honest with you. Um, again, the safety measures that NASCAR has employed is, is saving lives. It's making it so that people can walk away from these massive, massive crashes that would have killed people 20 years ago. I'll say even maybe uh, uh, 15 years ago. But there are more and more advancements in safety. And again, that's a good thing. So, uh, there is uh, that. So, Danny Hamlin... uh, Led 79 of the 200 uh, of the 200 laps. I gotta tell you that the I gotta tell you that uh, Mike Joy. Now I, I don't know if Mike Joy is in any Hall of Fame. But he should be. He is the voice of NASCAR. He he just is. Um, he, he's worked at CBS. Now is at Fox. He is the voice of NASCAR. And when Dale Waltrip uh, was replaced by Jeff Gordon, I thought, well, I, I like listening to to to, to you know to Daryl. Uh, you know, very uh, down-to-earth uh, approach and and and, uh, and all that. But Jeff Gordon filled in nicely. Uh, he was very um, informative. He knew what he was talking about. He lent an insight into the race that was incredible. And what I loved about the, at least the Fox uh, broadcast, is that uh, they didn't try to insult people's intelligence. They went out of their way to say, you know what? We're going to throw this term at you, but then we're going to explain what the term means, what it is all about. And they really walk people through the race and it and and they just let the race go they they let them run and that was the important part because had they not done that uh, i mean I, i'm not saying i wouldn't have uh watched but i'm glad that they basically made it a casual viewing experience yes there was stuff for everybody if you're a diehard fan you know all the names you know all the uh 
the pit crews and, and you know the terminology and all that and the strategy you, you can glean from what they were talking about. If you're a casual fan, you can watch it and say, yeah, yeah, I, I, you know, I, I, I can understand what's going on and, and I can understand the strategy and, and all that. If you're somebody like me who doesn't watch NASCAR at all, uh, then you, you can be like, oh, okay. And for, uh, again, uh, for, for me, it's going to be maybe three or four races this year I'm going to be watching. Uh, I'm going to watch, of course, uh, the race at Talladega because of the uh, you know the notion of crashes and stuff there. And I'm not trying to be morbid or anything, but that's I mean I, I you know people like oh you got to watch for for crashes at Talladega, and I'm like oh okay. Uh, I love the night race. Back at Daytona, because the the atmosphere, the crowd, the lights, the sparks, it, it's just, it's a really cool visual experience. And then I'll probably watch Homestead, which is the last race of the season, to see kind of where we're at. Now, I appreciate the playoff system that they have that I believe it's the top 10 automatically make it, and then the next two wild cards uh, make it. And then those 12 teams, mathematically, points-wise, have a chance to win the season championship. But the problem is, the problem is, and I, I look, I get sponsorship, I get... Um, I get sponsorship, I get advertising, I get uh, all that. And I, I understand that these cars are very expensive in terms of upkeep, upgrading, uh, getting drivers to sign with your team. It, it, it all takes money. I get all that. But my thing is this. In the NFL, the NBA, Major League Baseball, NHL, heck, I'll even throw in soccer. You don't make the playoffs. You're not. You're not showing up that week. You're. It's. It's on to the next season for you. So, it would be cool if they said, you know what, we're going to have uh, the. Top 10, like I said, the two playoff uh, teams, wildcard teams, uh, in on this. And then each, each week you have a situation where you eliminate you know, another team. And then the next week another team. And then you get down to that last race and it's just a two team shootout at uh, Homestead uh, that would be exhilarating that would give people a rooting interest and it would be like 
okay, who who's going to win, who's not? Because <clears throat> how they have it now is the last 10 races of the year, you still have 28 other teams that are out there and they have to do all their fancy graphics is like, well, you know, yes, there's these 28 other teams, but only 12 of these are eligible for the championship. And it just, it gets all bogged down. Bottom line, bottom line is I liked what I saw with uh, the Daytona 500. It's not enough for me to be a regular viewer of motorsports, but if you have people like Jeff Gordon, like Dale Jr., they're walking people through the race, giving people, you know, just good, credible information and and firsthand information. I, I think people are going to be like, okay, yeah, 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 we we know this can work. And people are going to tune in. Again, you're going to get millions and millions of people throughout the season but uh, to to watch. But again, you have to bring in the casual fans and if you listen to Jeff Gordon, if you listen to Dale Jr., yeah, you're going to be like, okay, I can I can sit down and I can watch a race. I can I can I can understand how this race goes. So there's that. Oh right. So that is that. I will take a very quick break. We will come back. We will talk about the all-Star Weekend from the NBA, both NBA All-Star Saturday night and the All-Star Game itself. And then uh, we will go from there. I will talk to you in a moment. All right, ladies and gentlemen, we are back. And up next is All-Star Weekend from Chicago. And the NBA, it was absolutely awesome to watch. Uh, I watched uh, All-Star Saturday Night. I, I love All-Star Saturday Night because it's it's just casual. It, it's just fun. It's, it's a fun event. And it, it really showcases some really, uh, really amazing uh, players, players you didn't Realize we're uh, not not trying to sound uh, mean or anything, but you know, you got got players who are like, oh, oh, wow, I didn't know you could do that. (laughs) That's that's cool. Uh, So we're just gonna go through uh, each of the uh, contests and uh, give you a little bit of what happened with each one. And who won. So first up is the skills challenge. I love it because it's it's an obstacle course that anything, and I mean anything, can happen. You could have the biggest lead in the world where you race down to the, the end for that final shot. 
And I've seen people just miss badly to the point where the other person catches up and actually uh, wins at the end. So that's not a sure thing. But uh, so you had uh, Bam Adebayo from Miami winning over uh, Sabonis of Indiana. Sabonis, man, he was killing it (laughs) that whole time. He was just killing it. Uh, But he uh, he, uh, lost out. Now, this next one was the three-point contest. I loved the three-point contest. I remember Larry Bird back in the day wearing his warm-up jacket and pants and just effortlessly just draining three-pointers. Just no questions asked. Uh, So you've got the winner... Uh, Bunny, Buddy uh, Heald. Uh, Bunny Heald didn't really start uh, warming up till the last few racks when he started just racking up points like crazy. What was interesting was, so they have uh, five different stations. Uh, as far as the, the racks are concerned. Uh, and with four out of those five, you've got regular balls, which are worth one point, and you've got the money balls that are worth two points. The fifth rack are all money balls, so they're all worth two points. And this year, they had the Mountain Dew three-point uh, ball and you had two of those, so you had a lot of points on there. And it was interesting because uh, if you listen to the commentary, they were saying, oh my gosh, you know, in other years, 23, 26 points would win you this contest, and it didn't this year. So that just speaks to the... Uh, the caliber of player uh, in that competition. So Buddy Heald is your three-point winner. And then finally, to end up the night, you had... uh, You had um, the slam dunk contest... This was crazy. You know, I didn't really like the uh, slam dunk contest for for a while because it, it was just too gimmicky. It was like, let's jump over a car. Well, let's jump over 10 chairs. Well, let's jump over... A birthday cake. Well, let's blow out a birthday cake. I mean, it just really kind of feels like... Yeah, it was just gimmicky. But... And there was some gimmicky stuff this year. But 
But by and large, that last round <laughs> was crazy. I mean, it was nuts. Uh, I remember Michael Jordan versus Dominique Wilkins back in the day. And they pulled off some crazy dunks. But that's when slam dunks were relatively new. And so people were were dazzled by... And not, not saying that they, they aren't now. But, but they were dazzled by just straight dunks. And it's like, oh my gosh. That's that's absolutely incredible. Now there's there's uh, you know twists and there's uh, reverse dunks and off the backboard and all these other things that you have to do to to up the ante. But I gotta say that the last great dunk competition that I've seen before this year happened in 2000 with Vince Carter. Uh, remember the, the B, uh, the, uh, between the legs, uh, dunk that he, uh, hit and then pointing up to the heavens. I mean, that was a sick dunk. That was the last great dunk contest that I've seen. Uh, in the last 20 years, until this year. That final round between Derrick Jones Jr. of Miami, who won uh, the contest, and Aaron Gordon of Orlando was crazy. They kept hitting uh, 50 points uh, each end, you know, and the... The uh, commentators were were both saying, or uh, all of them were saying, give it to both of them. Give it to both of them. Come on. We can scare up another trophy. Uh, Give it to both of them and let's go home. But there had to be a winner, and that was was, of course, Derek Jones Jr., Uh, Bit of controversy because uh, Candace Parker scored one dunk uh, for Aaron Gordon at a nine. And so that meant that, uh, I, I believe it was for, um, I believe it was for, for Gordon. Uh, but anyway, you know, so one, one got a nine and then the other got some nines, and it just, it was a bit controversial, but I gotta be honest, it was riveting, I didn't want it to end, uh, I, I, I really enjoyed it, the dunks were insane, it was just like, holy crap, no gimmicks, just straight up dunks, yes please, (laughs) if you want to have these two going at it for the next, I don't know, five years or so. Yeah, it's going to be absolutely incredible. Now, obviously the one person that uh, famously has, to my knowledge, has never been in the dunk contest is LeBron James. LeBron James isn't coming into the dunk contest. just isn't. Um, nor does he have 
to be in the dunk contest. Will that add to some extra cachet for the event? Absolutely. But, I mean, at this stage of his career, at this point of his career, he doesn't need to have uh, that, that trophy on his mantle. Maybe he does, but, you know, I, I just really believe that this contest this year was the best I've seen in 20 years. And, again, it's because of all the gimmicks over the years, jumping over cars, jumping over this, jumping over that. And it's just like, what the heck? But anyway, so there is... Also, Saturday night. Now, <clears throat> that next night was the All-Star game itself. And I thought it was a very uh, enthralling uh, idea because... Each round or each uh, quarter, I should say, was pretty much what they what they went off of. Yes, there was an overall score, but each uh, quarter had some stakes attached to it, and so they start off at zero uh, each quarter. So each quarter that either Team Giannis or Team LeBron won, they would. Uh, net $100,000 for their prospective charities. And the final quarter, which was in honor of Kobe Bryant, no time, it was basically best to 24 uh, points, which... In theory, is 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 right, but uh, you know, I I I would I'd have to uh, go over to this. Yeah, uh, so um, Team LeBron actually scored thirty three points uh, in that fourth quarter, so. It wasn't necessarily the first to 24. I think where they came up with that number was whoever was leading at the time, um, you add 24 to that. So if the other team was behind uh, by more than 24, obviously you, you would have had uh, more uh, more points. But, uh, <clears throat> so... Uh, Team LeBron won the first uh, quarter, 53-41. Second quarter was Team Giannis, 51-30. Third quarter was tied, so that uh, uh, $100,000 carried over to the the fourth quarter, where the winner netted $300,000. So that was just thrilling to watch 157 155 team LeBron wins 
Kawhi Leonard is your MVP. He played 20 minutes, had 30 points, 7 rebounds, and 4 assists. Uh, he was absolutely just electric on that court. And it was like he almost couldn't miss those three-pointers uh, for a good chunk of, of time there. So I like the format. Uh, they didn't play defense worth a lick. And there was a handful of fouls. Uh, but, yeah, they they don't play defense worth a lick. Uh, here's my thing. I'm just waiting for the first 200-point game uh, in terms of one team or another uh, scoring 200 points. And I'm just waiting for that to happen. All right. So that is your NBA All-Star Weekend. So, coming up in a moment, we're going to talk very briefly about the Houston Astros 2017 World Series win that has been tainted by... Uh, allegations of cheating, stealing signs, using uh, smartwatches to steal signs, and uh, so we'll we'll talk about that in a moment. So be right back, and we'll go from there. All right, ladies and gentlemen, we are back, and again, this is going to be a, a short segment. Uh, so. 2017, the Houston Astros won the World Series, but they have been accused of cheating, using smartwatches to steal signs. And look, people steal signs like all the time, but it was just the level of sophistication that got the Astros into trouble. Now, Rob uh, Manfred... Commissioner of uh, Baseball uh, did not do anything really about it. Uh, he didn't suspend any players. He didn't take away their title. He didn't take away any draft picks. Basically, they got away with cheating. And I get it on some level. It's it's three years later, and how can you go back three years later and and determine what happened? But But... That's kind of a cop-out. Uh, you know, and I'm not going to get in the weeds uh, with politics or anything like that. But there are people that are feeling like politicians get away with stuff. Like, all the time. And there are no consequences. And if you're not a fan of the Astros, you're probably thinking the same thing. You're like, great. So, three years later, an investigation showed that, yes, they did cheat, but they're not going to have any real significant uh, punishments or consequences. And that, to me, is... Just really 
Um, I don't know. It, it, it's just it's just icky. It's just icky. I I don't want to cast aspersions towards the Astros. But again, if you're not even going to punish them for doing something wrong, then why bother? Why bother even doing uh, any type of <clears throat> punitive things uh, just in general anymore? Because it's apparent that Rob Manfred is not going to do anything about this. Uh, so... We'll see what happens. Right. So, uh, I will uh, come back. We will talk. And again, it's going to be a uh, relatively short segment coming up. Next, we're going to talk about this weekend's fight with Deontay Wilder versus Tyson Fury Part 2. And I've got some thoughts about the first fight and what we might see in the second fight coming up this weekend, and then we will go from there. All right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome back. And again, this is going to be a short segment, but uh, coming up this weekend on pay-per-view, it is Deontay Wilder versus Tyson Fury Part 2. I gotta say, that first fight was... It was it was good. It was very good. It was one of the best fights I've I've seen. That said, I, I I this is just me. I honestly believe that Deontay Wilder won that first fight, and, and he won it rather comfortably. Why? Because he had the more power shots against. Uh, Tyson Fury, Tyson Fury, all he really did for most of the the match was was jab, and to me, yeah, his jabs were effective, but you look at <clears throat> me, you you look at the body damage, if you will, uh, between uh, Wilder and Fury, Wilder. He had a bit of a swollen uh, left eye, but that was pretty much the only thing that really happened, at, at least on, on the surface. Um, again, physiologically, brain-wise, all that, I don't know what the long-term effects will be going forward of him uh, boxing, but... Uh, Tyson Fury, I mean, his back was all cut up. He had a he had a cut on his forehead. He was knocked down twice, once in the ninth round, once in the twelfth round. And so, given all that, and I'm thinking, okay, I can see a close fight. I can see a split decision. But one judge saying Tyson Fury won, one saying Deontay Wilder won, but then that third judge, dead even, and I'm thinking, what? Were you not watching that fight? <laughs> Deontay Wilder knocked Tyson Fury down twice. And here's the thing that's 
you know, that's pretty crazy. And, and, and that is the referee in uh, the fight. Now, every referee does things differently. But this referee, he counted Tyson Fury. Tyson Fury got up. And before he let the match go on, he's like, who are you? Do you know where you are at? And that was pretty much the the cognitive test right there in ring. <clears throat> but then uh, he said, okay, go to a corner and then come back and walk back towards me to, you know, kind of like, you know, walk, you know, walk the line, you know, <laughs> uh, walk the line and prove to me that you, you're, you're with it. And so the first time Tyson Fury did that, he went to a corner and he came back and I was like, okay, yeah, he's good. That second time in the 12th round, If I were the referee, I I would have stopped the fight. And, and and I say that because Tyson Fury, he took, I mean, he literally took, like, he turned around, took a step. He didn't even get to the corner. And then he turned around, took a step back to the referee, and the referee's like, oh, all right, I guess he's good. I'm like, no, no, no. He didn't get to a corner. He went towards a corner, but he didn't make it to the corner. So, uh, the referee had, you know, a lot of latitude in, in that. And I, I, I get it. I mean, it was the biggest fight of uh, the year. One of the biggest fights in recent memory. But, to me... uh this is going to be a hard-hitting affair coming up this weekend. Uh, don't know who's going to win, but I will tell you this. And I'm not saying this because, you know, I'm anti-combat sports or anything. No, I'm just saying I hope that this is the final fight in boxing. And I'm giving you three reasons why. The first reason is the situation with, of course, the traumatic brain injuries. Uh, you have Muhammad Ali uh, during his third fight with Joe Frazier at Madison Square Garden where he he won... But later on, he said that was the closest I felt to death or or something along those lines. And unfortunately, it was because of that fight. Cumulus, you know, uh, other uh, fights, but particularly that fight that led to Muhammad Ali's Parkinson's disease later on in his life. So, here's the thing. That's that's one reason why I, I would like to see this be the final fight like ever in boxing. Second one is the idea that 
there are no big personalities. Yes, you've got Triple G. Yes, you've got Canelo Alvarez. But they're not heavyweights. They're, they're just not. I know that you had Floyd Money Mayweather Jr. I know you had Manny Pacquiao. But they were not heavyweights. So in terms of heavyweights, you you just don't have the big personalities. And so what are you going to do? Run Tyson Fury versus uh, Deontay Wilder three, four, five times? No, that's that's silly, and that's really not safe. So, here's the thing. Uh, you don't have the big major personalities. You don't have a Larry Holmes. You don't have a Muhammad Ali. You don't have a Joe Frazier. You don't have a Mike Tyson. Or, or anybody else you could want to throw in there. You don't have that type of personality anymore. And that's what worries me about boxing. Because Tyson Fury... Look... You can't ignore his uh, antics outside of the ring. He's been accused of being a racist, homophobic, uh, just really not a good person. Uh, But, you know, inside the ring, I mean, obviously this is the fight. This is the fight of the year. So, again, will boxing go on? Absolutely. 100% will. But nobody's really going to want to watch that uh, going forward if you don't have a big match, big name. It's just not going to happen. And that's the third reason why I hope that this is the last fight ever. And that is... What matches are coming up in the heavyweight division? There are none. To to my knowledge, and again, admittedly, I I don't pay all that close of attention to boxing. uh, So I I don't know who's coming up and, and this and the other. But with the advent of MMA and and all that, boxing has been just in decline for years and years and years and years. So, you don't have a big-name fight in the heavyweight division coming up. And so, again, if you don't have the personalities, you don't have a big fight, and you don't have uh, a good handle on the head trauma what are you doing what are you doing <laughs> so anyway that is that all right come back in a moment we will uh do the long snap uh which is i will go through each one of the 32 NFL teams vying for the services of Tom Brady. And then finally, we will talk 
about XFL week number two. I'll be right back. All right, ladies and gentlemen, a couple of segments to go in this week's show. So, in this week's long snap, we are going to talk about all 32 teams and what their chances are, realistically, of getting Tom Brady. Now, Tom Brady is a free agent. The Patriots have offered him $30 million to stay on with the team. I don't know if he will take that money to stay with uh, that team. But uh, we'll, we'll go from there. So let's start off with the Patriots. What are their chances? I'd say probably close to 99.9% that they're going to keep them. Yes, he is getting older. Yes, he couldn't get out of his own way uh, this year in terms of um, getting away from blitzing and all that. But he's still Tom Brady. He's still won six championships. Okay, so it, it's still Tom Brady. Uh, the Dallas Cowboys with Dak Prescott, no, they're they're not going to want to do that. They're not going to want to uh, go in on on Tom Brady. Uh, I believe San Francisco with Jimmy Garoppolo uh, again, no, because Jimmy Garoppolo. Got the 49ers to the Super Bowl this year. So you're not going to have them, you know, uh, go in with Tom Brady there. The Philadelphia Eagles, they may have a decent chance. Carson Wentz is a great quarterback. Totally great. But, and he, he does have a, a Super Bowl, but that's because of uh, Nick Foles. And, you know, it just really feels like, okay, well, you have a championship. But it's really Nick Foles that won the championship. So... Does Carson Wentz, you know, stay? And I believe, yeah, he 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 will want to stay to to finish things out. Kansas City Chiefs with Patrick Mahomes, no. Green Bay Packers with Aaron Rodgers, no. Seattle uh, Seahawks with Russell Wilson, no. They don't. They don't need another quarterback. The Las Vegas Raiders, and that is just so weird saying Las Vegas Raiders, but the Raiders, that if you look on social media, look online, you look at all these, uh, you know, all these uh, sites, and all these analysts are saying, yes, we believe that Tom Brady will go in with the Raiders. And here's the thing. They have a beautiful, and I mean a beautiful, New uh, stadium right off the strip. 
uh, in Vegas. It's it's gorgeous. I mean, I, I haven't seen the you know the inside. Uh, I I've seen the the conceptual drawings and and all that, but uh, as far as like the actual inside, uh, you know, I haven't seen. But um, the outside is just gorgeous. Oh my goodness. But here's the problem. It's going to be much like London, where it's going to be tourist-driven. Because there is no built-in fan base there in Las Vegas. There just isn't uh, for the Raiders. And people from Oakland are not going to take that jump to go to Vegas every weekend. Maybe some will. But I think that there's enough bad blood between Oakland and the Raiders that they're like, bye. <laughs> Don't let the door hitch on the way out. Um, so, uh, again, I think it's going to be tourist-driven. Hopefully that stadium will be filled week in, week out. I am really afraid that it won't be. But you, you just never know. Uh, the Vikings with, with uh, Kirk Cousins, no. The Pittsburgh Steelers, that is an interesting situation because Ben Roethlisberger was, of course, injured much of this last season. And so are the Steelers looking for... Uh, a new quarterback, and and I don't know, I don't, I don't, I don't know. Uh, the Giants, that would be a slap in the face to New England and New England fans if the Giants got Tom Brady. Won't happen, but with Eli Manning retiring this year, there, there's, there's that. You know, hey, can we bring them to MetLife Stadium? Can we? Get fans back on board. We'll see. Uh, Chicago with Mr. Trubisky. No. Cleveland Browns. Uh, with Mayfield. Uh, I, I, I don't think that they're going to want to risk getting another quarterback. Ravens. No, <laughs> no, that's just Lamar Jackson reigning MVP. No, that's just not going to happen. The Broncos, that's another interesting situation. Does John Elway go and say, well, you know what? I took a chance on Peyton Manning. He got us two Super Bowls, won us a Super Bowl. Does he go back to the well and say, okay, now I'm going to try to bring Tom Brady in? Uh, that's, that's an interesting idea. Um, the Washington Redskins, they're, they're just a disaster as a team. They, they haven't done anything in, like, almost 35 years uh, in terms of winning Super Bowls and stuff, so... No, that's just not going to happen. 
the New Orleans Saints with Drew Brees, no. Buffalo Bills, yeah, I don't think so. The Dolphins, you, you might you might take a, a good a gander at that one, but again, they're not really uh, set up in terms of the personnel and winning and all of that. So I, I don't think that Tom Bray would want to go to uh, basically a reclamation project. Detroit, yeah, Uh, I mean, Matt Stafford, he is the franchise quarterback, but, I mean, the Lions haven't done anything realistically in, like, forever, and so, if you're Detroit, you might think, all right, well, let's see if we can trade Matt Stafford, see if we can bring in Tom Brady on a one-year deal. And start to groom that next person uh, for, you know, basically being the next franchise quarterback. So, Tom Brady would be a bit of a stopgap measure for the Lions. I don't think they'll do it. But, you know, who knows? Uh, Tennessee Titans with Tannehill, no. Rams with Jared Goff, look, he he struggled this year, but you're not getting rid of Jared Goff. The Carolina Panthers, Cam Newton is being shipped out or at least kind of floated out there. Does that mean Tom Brady's in there? Uh, I don't know. I, I don't know. The Jets, I mean, the Jets were just a freaking wreck. And they're like the Giants, they're like the Dolphins. It's kind of like, do you really want to go to a rebuilding situation? And the answer is not not really. Uh, Texans with, with Deshaun Watson, no. Atlanta Falcons with Matt Ryan, no. Arizona, <laughs> you know... Uh, look, I gotta be honest with you. Watching how you know uh, they they played, and and watching watching how they played, and Kyler Murray, he's just so small. I'm I'm afraid for his safety every single week. I'm afraid he's going to get broken in half. And so if I'm Arizona, I would start to think, yes, Kyler Murray is our is our uh, person, but do we really have uh, somebody that can come in for for you know again a year? to help us get back on the right track. Uh Indianapolis uh I don't I don't think that they'd want to take a chance on Tom Brady. The Bengals 
they're in transition. So I don't know if they would want to uh, take a chance on Tom Brady. The Chargers, I mean, look, I, I, I don't know what will happen. Uh, I don't know what will happen with the Los Angeles Chargers. Philip Rivers looked done this year. And they actually have a good team. So uh, maybe somebody go, uh, comes out to the West Coast. I mean, who who knows? Tampa, James Winston is a turnover machine. But that's what gets people. And, and it's a morbid thing. But that's what gets people in the door. Uh, is watching, see, he's going to have a good game, he's going to have a bad game. What's going to happen? And, and then Jacksonville. Minshew is good, and he helped uh, with Jacksonville. But Jacksonville has been struggling for... <sighs> most of their franchise history and again it's unfair I know I've I've ripped on the cons for not really investing in their own team but <clears throat> uh Jacksonville again that's a that's a perpetual rebuilding uh so I don't know if you really want to do that. Right. So, that is this week's long snap. One final uh, very quick segment. And then we will be back tomorrow for Back to the Ring. Alright, ladies and gentlemen, one final segment for you for this week of the Russell Wortham Show. Again, tomorrow is going to be Back to the Ring, where we will be talking about NXT TakeOver Portland. Tons, tons of uh, news and notes coming from that event this past weekend I'll try my level best to uh, get uh, some thoughts on Raw, SmackDown, NWA, and AEW for you to give you a broad sense of what's going on in the world of professional wrestling. So, uh, that said, uh, the XFL, and this is from 24-7 Sports uh the attendance uh, saw some growth uh, this year. Or the second uh, week, I should say. Um, so I'll just read this. Uh, after um, the um, success of last week, average of about 17,000 people uh, watching live, a little over 3 million people watching on television. And so that was a big 
success. Uh, so you had uh, the attendance um, for week two combined uh, to be 76,285, which is absolutely amazing. Uh, Seattle at Century, at Century Link Field, there we go, uh, in the Seattle brought in 29,000, a little over 29,000 uh, fans um, throughout the same lower bowl 3,000 seat capacity. That is the key phrase, lower bowl. You look at some of these stadiums, and the upper bowl is just sparse, and it looks bad. It's a producer's worst nightmare, and it's a advertiser's worst nightmare. You know, you want to frame the situation, you want to frame the action so it looks big, so it looks like there's a lot of people. And when you do shots where you look straight at, you know, one end zone or the other, and there's not anybody up at the upper part of these stadiums, and it's just, it just looks bad. Um... So, <clears throat> next up was Houston uh, and St. Louis. They saw um, announced a crowd on Sunday of uh, just over 17,000, uh, which holds uh, 40,000 seats. And again, if we're dealing with just lower bowl, it was full. It's the upper bowl that's the that's the scary part. Uh, the uh, DC Defenders and the New York uh, Guardians from DC uh, had the best attendance uh, in terms of filling the stadium, fifteen thousand lower, fifteen thousand in a twenty thousand uh, seat. Uh, Audi Field that is a soccer only stadium and it again it looked full it looked like oh my gosh they're they're really coming out to support the defenders and, and then finally the Dallas Renegades um, playing the Los Angeles Wildcats um, <clears throat> in uh, Carson California Holds 27,000 uh, seats. Again, soccer-only stadium. And it brought um, an announced crowd of uh, just under 15,000. So, they do have people coming to these games. Again, it's the problem of... Yes, you have you know sustained uh, growth... When it comes to uh, attendance and all of that, but when you're trying to fill MetLife Stadium that has, I believe, sixty-three thousand, and you're only getting 
20,000, that just, that doesn't look good on television. Um, the, the one that I'm just, I'm just really just scratching my head on is Houston. Houston is 2-0. and They have one of the uh, best overall teams in the league. And, you know, with offense, defense, and all that. And they can't fill their stadium at the University of Houston. I, I, it just blows my mind. I, I don't understand it. The, the other thing that I thought was very interesting, and then we'll, we'll talk about the um, television ratings and finish up with scores, but the other problem is the conversions. It, it's just a disaster because, you know, the um, one-point conversions, two-point conversions, especially the three-point conversions, are just not working out. So, I don't know how you can really tweak it, but uh, the conversions have been really the, the biggest problem this year. So, <clears throat> week one, uh, very strong, and it was pretty similar. It was 3.3 million uh, for DC at Seattle. It was 3.2 million viewers for LA versus uh, Houston. Uh, week two at uh, New York and DC and 2.1 million viewers this week. Tampa Bay versus uh, Seattle, 2.3 million viewers. Uh, Dallas and uh, Los Angeles, 2.3 million. Houston and St. Louis, one a little over 1.3 million viewers. So it went down. And it, it went down big. And maybe that's because you know of the of the you know the play the play was not great this week. I mean it wasn't you can spin it and say, Oh, it was a defensive struggle. No, no, it was just sloppy. He had fumbles, interceptions, pick sixes. It it just it was just a mess this week. Uh, watching it, I'm just, I'm just being honest. Um, but we'll see what happens going forward. Now, a lot of this is: Are you getting casual fans? Are you getting fans that actually are all in with the XFL? What about DVR numbers? What about uh, watching on YouTube? Because you can uh, watch uh, abbreviated games on YouTube. So those numbers this week are a bit... They're, they're just, a, just a tad bit 
misleading, but you basically drop a million, you know, average, drop about a million viewers, and it's kind of like, okay, uh, we'll see what happens. Uh, so very quickly, so here are uh, this week's uh, scores. So you had the DC Defenders absolutely run over the New York Garden, Guardians twenty-seven to nothing. It wasn't even that close. It was bad. It was bad. Uh, Seattle pulled out a victory against Tampa. 17-9, the Dallas Renegades beat the uh, LA Wildcats 25-18. Houston beat St. Louis 28-24. So, that is your week two of the XFL. Right, so that is the show. Thank you very much for... Uh, being here, thank you for uh, supporting the show. I try to get the show out um, over the weekend. Uh, you can listen to me anywhere you can find podcasts. Just search for the Russell Wortham Show. And uh, if you like sports, you got sports. If you like wrestling, you got wrestling. So it's it's really... The best of both worlds. Right. So that is uh, the show uh, for today. I'll be back tomorrow. And uh, until then, just like the Beatles saying all those many years ago, love is all you need. I will see you guys tomorrow. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Back to the Ring. This is Russell Wortham coming to you live from beautiful... Tucson, Arizona, stones throw away from the University of Arizona and in the shadow of the Grand Canyon, folks. We're back. Back in the middle of greatness. So, we have tons to talk about today. I have been watching wrestling for quite a while today. (laughs) I've got a lot, lot going on in my head. Watched uh, Raw, SmackDown, NXT, AEW, NWA. Of course, we've got NXT TakeOver Portland to talk about. So, all that. Let's get going commercial-free. And uh, so, first of all, NXT TakeOver Portland was amazing. Every match was great. They topped each other. And I, I tell you, NXT very rarely, if if you, uh, and, and most of the time, there, there are some times where I uh, see the reviews from, um, you know, CBS and all that, but it's Bleacher Report as far as I'm concerned, as far as grades, and, you know, it's all subjective, you know, but NXT very rarely, very rarely, in terms of their pay-per-views, they very rarely score uh, 
anything less than a B. That is quality. <laughs> that is amazing. So, we're just going to go over the card, share with you some thoughts on uh, each uh, each match. So we start off tonight with Keith Lee defeating Dominic Dejakovic, and that was one heck of a match. These two are just, I mean, you, you could tell that there's respect between those two. Keith Lee is amazing. The guy, he does things that a bigger guy shouldn't be doing, uh, have any business of doing. But he really, he, he's growing on me, man. <laughs> I heard about Keith Lee, and I thought, oh, okay. And then... You know, I, I I've seen some of his matches. Man, he is amazing. He is a champion, a WWE champion. Okay, in the making. Right now, is the North American champion for NXT, but it's only a matter of time. I believe before Keith Lee goes up to either Raw or SmackDown, and is a champion. On either of those two brands, <clears throat> Dakota Kai uh, defeating Tegan Knox in a street fight, and Reina Gonzalez was the Reina Gonzalez was a uh, person that uh, came out and uh, helped. Or it's me, uh, Ra- Raquel, uh, or <laughs> uh, Raquel Gonzalez. Sorry, I, I I don't know why I said Reina. Uh, Raquel Gonzalez, uh, comes uh, back into the WWE since her impressive debut at the May Young Classic. She slams Knox through a uh, table. Allowing Dakota Kai uh, to uh, pin Tegan Knox for the win. This was a brutal match. They were just beating the snot out of each other. It was it was everything you wanted in a street fight and more. Next up, Finn Balor versus Johnny Gargano. This was everything I told you it was going to be. I told you this was going to be match of the year candidate. This was a indie wrestler's dream match. It it is just it was, you know. Um, but Finn Balor, uh, hard fought victory, uh, beating Johnny Gargano. Rhea Ripley defeating Bianca Belair. And after which, Charlotte Flair came in and made her intentions known that she is going to face Rhea Ripley for the NXT Championship, Women's Championship at WrestleMania 36 in Tampa. That is huge. That is a money match. Will that land them their second straight? Uh, main event uh, probably not but just that match alone 
just that match alone is is just amazing. Uh, you had the Brotherweights, Matt Riddle, Pete Dunne, defeating the Undisputed Era, Bobby Fish, and Kyle O'Reilly for the NXT Tag Team Championships. That was one heck of a match, too. Adam Cole beating Tommaso Ciampa. Ciampa was well on his way to regaining Goldie, the NXT Championship. But out comes Johnny Gargano, and he did what I think a lot of people thought he would do. He turned on Tommaso Ciampa, blasting him with the NXT uh, championship allowing Adam Cole to hit the last shot uh, for um, to to retain the title, and um, yeah, I I wasn't really surprised that Giant Gargano turned heel. I just hope that they handle his heel turn much better than what they did earlier. You know, last year, late last year, uh, that was that was just a that was just a wreck. That that whole heel turn was just a wreck. So I I hope that they they build it. I think it was smart that they didn't have Johnny Gargano on. Um, NXT. Uh, this week, uh, I I I think that that's building up that rivalry between him. And Tommaso Ciampa. So, we'll see what happens with that. Right, uh, so some thoughts about Raw. Um, it's a work in progress, but Seth Rollins uh, transitioning back into a heel role, uh, being the Monday Night Messiah. Um it's a work in it's a work in progress. Here's the here's the thing that's interesting. Him and Buddy Murphy are the Raw Tag Team Champions. But also in this group, you have AOP, the authors of Pain, and I'm thinking, how are they okay with Rollins and Buddy Murphy being? The uh, tag champions. I I wouldn't have been. <laughs> I I certainly wouldn't have been. But I think it's a slow burn. I think eventually AOP is going to turn on Rollins. But um, you know, and we'll we'll see. You know, we'll see what happens. Um. But yeah. Um. I, I gotta say, Seth Rollins has an uncanny, um, just ability of being a good babyface or a great heel. Same with Ric Flair. Same with Hogan. Same with some of these others. That's like you know Adam Cole. I mean, all these people. That have been baby faces and been heels. It's like I say, those 
people that I've mentioned, and, and there are more, but those people that I've mentioned, they're good people that do an even better job being bad people <laughs> on television. It, it's just that it's just that that simple. So, like I said, Seth Rollins that was a was a bit of a work in progress. Uh, with uh, him becoming the Monday Night Messiah. Uh, so, the uh, the uh, big news coming out from Raw, well, two things. One, it's going to be, like I said last week, it's going to be Drew McIntyre versus, at least for now, Brock Lesnar for the Universal Championship. Universal Championship is going to be uh, up for grabs this next week at uh, Super Showdown from Saudi Arabia. It's going to be Brock Lesnar versus Ricochet. And so... We'll see what happens with that one. I I don't think that they would take the title off of Brock Lesnar. I I I sincerely doubt it. Uh, so <clears throat> there's there's that match, but also but also you have Charlotte Flair formally saying, you know what, Rhea Ripley, you're good, but I'm great. And I will take back my NXT title that you didn't really earn. And it was just kind of like, oh, okay. Uh, And then you got Becky Lynch uh, going after Shayna Baszler. After Shayna came out last week and uh, just... Not on her neck. It was just disgusting. Oh my gosh, it was bad. Um, now, was that real blood? Nah, I don't know. I don't know. But I will say this. If there's anybody that can take that title off of Becky Lynch, it's Shannon Baszler. She's just that good. Uh, so... There is that. Right, so uh, SmackDown. You've got, uh, <clears throat> you know, uh, SmackDown, you've got uh, a, a really just interesting uh, situation uh, brewing, uh, I believe, with. You know, Daniel Bryan going in to WrestleMania. We'll see what happens, you know, with with that. Uh, but, um, yeah, Brock Lesnar defending the WWE Championship, not the Universal Championship. Um, we'll see what happens, uh, like I said, coming up this next week from Saudi Arabia. All right, now. Uh, very, uh, quickly, um, 
NXT problems between Roderick Strong and Velveteen Dream. It's the whole, hey, you're not man enough. I'll be your wife's new man. You know, it's just, it's been done before. Um, Like I said, I thought it was smart that Giant Gargano was not on NXT this week. Uh, It's building up some anticipation between him and Samasa Champa. So there's there's that. Adam Cole. I mean, he is one heck of a heel. <laughs> Man, he is one heck of a heel. Uh, it's just amazing to watch him on the mic, in the ring. It's just really amazing to see that. <clears throat> so there's that. Uh AEW, the only things that I'll say about AEW is that Cody versus MJF coming up at Revolution is going to be, it's going to be crazy. It's going to be nuts. Uh, So, see what happens with that match because they have been at it for months now. Um... They've been at it for months now. John Moxley, he's got a ridiculous eye patch. Uh, he uh, was attacked by Chris Jericho in the inner circle. I don't know if it's a real eye injury or 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 not, uh, but I mean, there it's just comical what they're doing with with the eye patch anymore it's it's just getting getting silly uh the young bucks are doing their thing it's very interesting though because adam page is tag team champions with kenny omega but it's the whole i don't trust you anymore and Adam Page wants out of the elite, and it's just so. That's a tenuous uh, circumstance uh, right there. Uh, So that's AEW. Finally, you've got NWA. First of all, good to see Sean Mooney (laughs) uh, be a part of NWA. Of course, Tucson. Uh, running in his blood, proud of the guy, uh, and uh, can't say enough good about Sean Mooney. Now, the big news, and quite possibly one of the biggest matches you will ever see anywhere, any promotion, Nick Aldis, the NWA World's Heavyweight Champion versus... Murray Skrull, oh man, that is going to just be insane. That's going to be nuts. So that will be coming up at the Crockett Cup in 
April. So April is going to be stacked. It's going to be WrestleMania. It's going to be NXT. It's going to be the NWA. It's 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 just nuts. So huge, huge, huge action. All right. Well, that is back to the ring for this week. We'll be back next week. We'll talk about Saudi Arabia. Uh, what happened with Saudi Arabia. Uh, we'll uh, get further updates about John Moxley. Have uh, an update <clears throat> on uh, what's going on with uh, NWA. If there's any more big name matches for Crockett Cup coming up in April. And so much more. So. Until next week, folks, this is Russell Wortham coming to you live from beautiful Tucson, Arizona. And just like the Beatles sang all those many years ago, love is all you need. I will see you guys next week.